Hanley Armagh, Caroline O'Hanlon, the right person in the right team. Only for point number 10. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sideline Night podcast. This is our preview show, and we're looking forward to Armas Round 2 National League clash with Tyrone on Saturday evening. Joining me to look forward to the game is Paddy Savage and Jim McCory, um, two men that know all about their rivalry and are looking forward to a good t- contest on Saturday evening. Um, so I suppose during the week, me and Paddy have already discussed how Armagh done against Monaghan in the opening round. Jim, what did you see from Armagh? We impressed with them. Obviously brilliant to get the win on the opening day, but what did you see that impressed you? But obviously, probably one of the big differences, and a lot of people would have commented on it, was maybe the pace of the game that Armagh played. I mean, it's something that Kieran has always wanted. In three years, I was there as well. Um, to take the game to the opposition, you know, uh, people talked about the, the different styles that you see with the better teams. And probably, if you look at the dubs and you look at Kerry, uh, you know, that fast attacking players that they have and moving the ball at pace. Uh, Armagh certainly looked like with a lot of hunger and a lot of pace in their game. So that was probably one of the, the big factors on it. There wasn't a, a big change in personnel, obviously. You know, it was uh, similar players that were there, but good to see, you know, Connor Mackin back in playing. Connor had a bad year, an injury May last year and uh, lost his place. Uh, but it was nice to see him back because he's a player with a lot of pace and a lot of potential. Um, and obviously Morgan looked a lot uh, more trim and a lot more like his old self. He had more speed back. He lost. He still had the strength, but probably with less of the bulk that he had maybe at the start of last year. Um, so that was good, but uh, still a good attacking brand of football, you know. And despite the comments that you hear, and I said this last year in one of the post-match interviews, you know, about the people's perception of Armagh that are defensive side and they don't score a lot and, you know, they sit back and all this end of it. You know, you look at that game, you know, there was a lot of scores in it, you know. Um, and last year and over the last few years, and I was there as well, Armagh were also in the top three teams for scoring uh, and all across all the leagues. Um, and defensively, you know, points against was all fairly low. Probably the big Achilles heel was goals been scored and easy goals. And we seem to be an example of that where, I suppose, uh, Kieran, whichever Kieran you want <laughs> to ask, well, wouldn't be happy with the, with the goal that was leaked as well. So, But a lot more positives than there was negatives for me looking at that Armagh side. And I was excited to see the way they took the game to Monaghan. It was uh, a good uh, brand of football. Started off well and continued on that front foot. Uh, I suppose, Jim, it was probably that middle section of the game that started brilliantly, ended brilliantly. And it was maybe that middle section. They, they took their foot off the gas maybe a wee bit and let, let one of them back into it. Um, as you say, plenty of positives, plenty of learnings to come from it as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always better to analyse a game as much in a, in a win as it is in a defeat, obviously, as the old adage that you would hear. But uh, every team's going to come back at you, no matter what. Uh, I mean, Armagh had a great start. You know, you had the penalty or would have been a goal that had been a penalty at the start. Uh, Spacking the ball in, you know, that was hit in by Rory, I think. But even look at it, um, Farker was driving in for a break ball that had it broke away from Jordan as well for a goal opportunity, you know, so it was goal written all 
goal I wanted to start, great start. Probably could have another goal. Was Subi going through that well? You know, which probably would have killed it off. You, you go at a team like that and a lot of scores, and you see in so many games, unless you're totally dominant, the team will come back at some stage. Um, and probably that would be the one disappointment that maybe in that second period after the water break again, you know, it was what one five to not two, not three scored um, against disappointment for so it's still manageable one five to not three i mean the, the, the goal was the main difference on it it was five three in a period and you were still leading by four five going in half time that'll be great but unfortunately in this case it pegged it back going in that at the interval which is something that probably was a more disappointing part for the amount of possession that they had so if you look at their return for the amount of possession you know and their productivity that'll be disappointing maybe uh to an extent for them for the amount of possessions that they had but having said that the bottom line was to come away with that game with the win for the first game Paddy I suppose moving on to this weekend we talked about Monaghan and obviously a division one side for seven years I think it is now uh, in a row moving on to Tyrone while they they haven't been that division one side for as long I think they were down in division two as recent as maybe three or four years ago um they're still it's probably a bigger task this weekend than it was against Monaghan um, Tyrone are one of the favourites for not only Ulster but they're contenders for the Ireland in many people's eyes so this is going to be a massive challenge for Armagh this weekend Yeah I think this is a step up um, you know, just being just being realistic I mean even if we take say you know, the most recent form that we have um, you know looking at the highlights of it but it was very, it was very very clear that Tyrone were you well well in that game only get baby two points and it was level when that man sent off so you know if we say well thrown our you know, about the same standard as Donegal. Throwing or playing Donegal in the championship in a couple of weeks, you you wouldn't be able to split them at the bookies. And you know, we saw uh, unfortunately though look, you know, every game's different. Um but you know there, there was certainly seemed that there was a that there was a golf there between Armagh and Donegal last year and, and I know that Armagh didn't do themselves justice but it's a great position to win Sean um, you know because we could get um, you know, with a home game and if we could get a win um, on Saturday chances are two games and we'd have secured our vision uh, one status like you know and, and you know, no matter what happens we'll still have those other opportunities but it's a great opportunity um, it's great. You know, it's great to, to stay to, to stay up in, in in Division One and really see where we are against the very top teams in, in in the country. That's the big thing, isn't it? That that's why we wanted to get to Division One to see where we actually are to play the likes of a Tyrone and Donegal and on a regular basis and maybe in a different year. Obviously, we'd have been playing the likes of Kerry in Dublin, but that's just not how it, it worked out. But um. Tyrone, Paddy, there's such a rivalry there. And we, we sort of spoke about a couple of weeks ago that with Monaghan that Tyrone's Armagh's big rival. It's not really, it wasn't really Monaghan unless the Monaghan game's coming up. But now the Tyrone game's coming up, like it takes you back to them old games in the noughties where um, obviously both teams were at their peak. Both teams probably aren't at that level at the minute, um, but still the rivalry's still there. And um, you always want to beat Tyrone, don't you, every time you meet them? Ah, yeah. Look, you know that that was a rivalry which just forged in those those great uh, those great days. You know, um, when both you know both teams were were going on to win their win their first All Ireland. You, you had so many battles that were, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you had that 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 neighbouring um, that neighbouring element 
to it um, as well. But, you know, maybe, I think maybe before that, you know, throw th- the throne rivalry is maybe more in the north of the county. But obviously, you know, the whole, uh, probably the, the whole of both counties became obsessed with each other, you know, for that period, sort of, you know, five, you know, five six years. You know, you just think back, it was the, you know, one, actually, two of the games that you, you maybe wouldn't think about as much are, are those first round um, matches back in 2002. You know, there was that draw, there was that draw in Clonus. And then Barry Duffy got the goal later on, um, and then it just seemed, you know, there was, you know, year year after year, um, and obviously the you know the the final O three, and then they both went out on the on the same day in O four when they were maybe expecting to play each other later in the uh, later in the championship, two thousand and five. You know, the three games like it was epic. You know, it really was like you can still you can still you know that. Um, you know the the, re- the replay that you were if you remember 2005 we're lucky enough um yeah we were, we were very lucky to be honest to get that draw in the Ulster final and then you know we, we was all the sentence off and we, we came from what five five six points down maybe I think f- five at least and scored you know six or seven points in a row to win the Ulster championship the you know the 2005 game uh look you know there's the said so you know the semi final the free at the ends and, and you just you know, you remember and you remember these things, and um, I suppose my main reflection is probably at the time we didn't realise how how lucky we were. Um, you know, to be living through that, and these things it, they don't last forever. But uh, yeah, look, you know, you will probably see a lot of it um, in the national um, uh, press probably over the next three or four days. You know, when the CR man thrown playing each other again in, in Division One, there'll be a lot of probably stories about just how compelling. You know that that rivalry was. You know how great those teams were, and and just how you know manic some of those matches were. You know in terms of a, an intensity level that you know, I'd probably you know ne- never really been seen before. I think it's uh, I think it's fair to say. What do you think, Jim? What's your memories of the the rivalry? Obviously, like as we said, it peaked in the noughties, but um, Armand Throne have always been rivals all down through the years. Well, if you take if you take every county around Armagh, everybody's rivals. I mean. Darren was always a big rivalry for me. I mean, I'm living in it now, you know, and I managed them for a period of time and I managed clubs in it. But Armagh Darren was always a great rivalry for me, but as was Armagh Tyrone as well when I was playing. Um, you know, talking about now, and um, obviously the Monaghan factor as well. So it's probably great he says, you know, South Armagh maybe a wee bit more towards the Monaghan rivalry. Uh, the year he's saying, you know, a wee bit more towards the Down in the North Armagh, a wee bit more towards Tyrone. So the rivals everywhere. And you look at it this year, you know, you look at this mini Ulster Championship, it's not a Division One proper, it's a COVID Division One, um, and it's a mini Ulster. And uh, you take really two of those great rivals, Tyrone and Monaghan, are in our section. Um, one of them has been beaten, and we're now going to take on the other one, who really, when you take it, you know, that game on Sunday was, it was put in the context, it was the first match for new management in Tyrone. But it was also the first match for really new management in Armagh as well. When you take that, you know, Kieran had brought in Kieran Donaghy and, and Kieran McKeever. So, you know, there was getting used to that and new style, new coaches talking to them. So, I mean, it was admirable for both sides in both their games, you know, that they'd taken on board after only four weeks of the team working together. Whatever was done individually or in balls or whatever way it was worked, you know, they had really four weeks working together. And as you put it in that context, you know, new management, new coaches, the COVID situation, you know, it was good opening games for both on it. My big concern on the, the, the Tyrone rivalry in this game coming up, and uh, in the, in the Donegal game, Tyrone at 12 wides, Donegal at five. You didn't score half of those. 
and Tyrone's still staying with Faye, or Donegal's still staying with Faye, yet a different outcome. I, I wouldn't expect, you know, within a week, you can say, well, you get a lot done within a week, but I wouldn't expect that to be repeated, that you'd see as many wides. When they get scoring opportunities, Tyrone probably will do a lot of work this week to find improving that, improving that end. But so I'm not going to expect that. Expect as well with, like ourselves, and I heard in your, your preview show or your review show from the, from the game, we were talking to Aaron, you know, about how good the Armagh forward line is. And it is, you know, it's excellent from midfield up. Um, but you look at the forward line as well that Tyrone would have and what's the command. I know McShane will be ready this weekend, but you have young Canavan, who's a great footballer as well. You have Michaeliski, you know, you have McCurry. Uh, you know, so they have good, strong forwards to come in as well. So there's there's an equality there. And the point that I said to you earlier about this sort of pace that Kieran's looking in the Armagh team, and you can see that you know the subs that he brought in, New Turbot, uh, flying machine. You know, when he gets moving on, on McQuillan, you know, ex Oz player, you know, flying machine as well. These are all fast players. Jason Duffy, you know, Kelly. They're all pacey players who can take the game. To Tyrone, so I'm looking forward to that it'll be a completely different game. I believe I think Tyrone will be a lot more off the game, and you see this whole aspect. If you win two, it's okay. It all depends on results. You get three teams end up in four. I think you look at the permutations. If everybody beats Modern and they beat each other, they all end up with four. But it's nice to have two points in the bag. Um, Tyrone will be coming hungry, looking to get those first two points, and they need those. Um, and obviously Arma have got those. I don't think there'll be any complacency will seep into the guys. And you did discuss as well this whole um, theory, probably maybe as a polite way of saying that you know, Arma can't do back-to-back games or they can't keep consistency in games. Well, there was firm degree of consistency in, in that game and in pre- the previous season with Arma on it. So we'll see how that, that outcome uh, goes on, uh, on Saturday. I'm talking about the two attacks, Jim. Uh, I think you were you were obviously involved last year when they met in the Mechanic Cup. The two sides met in the Mechanic Cup. Um, I think Tyrone won. It was their three eighteen to three fifteen or something. It was unbelievable game for the middle of January, um, twenty twenty, before everything went mad with the world. But um, do you expect that sort of scoreline, Jim? Was that a one off with the both sides probably favouring attacking football now? Both sides' big strength is. Their forward line, do you expect a shootout here on Saturday evening? Yeah, well, I mean, you won't get a mechanic cup scoreline. I guarantee you won't get that. Um, but if you take it like, uh, you know, 19, 116 score, you were saying, look, I was scoring 19 points. We were always targeting all county teams are trying to target over 20 points in games. And to think, you know, if we scored 116 and you kept Donegal or Tyrone in these last two games, 18 points, you, know, you won that game. But It'll be in a completely different environment. You know, you're going to have that local rivalry with Tyrone, as we talked about. There'll be a lot of hard hits in it. You know, there'll be changes. Um, certainly not Tyrone side, I thought there'll be a few adjustments to it. Um, but where we're going to see this big open football, you got weather like we're having this week at the moment, and that carries on in the Saturday night, which I don't believe it lasts as long. This sort of storm's coming through, but there are all these different permutations that you bring into it. Um, Interesting to see just how both defences cope because we talked about how strong Armagh are from midfield up and the different variations you have with the you know the two brothers swapping Oshin um, swapping inside and, and coming out the midfield and coming out the midfield. You talk about the changes you know with Grubin going inside, Supi going inside, 
And then you have the Forker factor. You know, where do you play a Forker? You've touched on that, and everybody talks about that on it. Um, and he's the type of player you could put him in goals. So he probably would still go up the field and score a couple of points for you in a match. You know, uh, it depends on where the need is. And, it, and the thing about Forker and Furness, he would say to you, play me wherever is best for the team. It's not about me as an individual. That's the ideal type of player you want. He's the consummate professional when it comes to the preparation on it. You know, fantastic player. And you can play him in any of the positions from two to 15. Um, and it, we, we played him predominantly in the, in the backs because there was a lot of strength in the forward line and we would get his strength in the defensive end. But we look at his scoring ratio and you would have seen this, Sean, as well, being part of the, the, the setup there with the, helping with the video on and the analysis and stuff on it. You've seen Farker being picked at fullback and scoring maybe two points in virtually all the games he would have played and assisting quite a few of them. So um, he will be in the middle of the stage that his injury is okay, is it just a soft tissue injury, you know, or is it something more serious on it, you know, just an impact. So we have to wait and see the outcome of that. If he plays, where will he play? Will he, will he be able to to play that same role, would he be given an allocated marking job on these fantastic forwards that uh, Tyrone had? So uh, don't think it'll be as high as going games up in the kind of cup one, as I said earlier on it, John, but I expect so, some good open football. Both like to kick the ball in quickly and get support lines in. Um, just be interested to see how the defence on both sides, because there's a lot of changes on both. And the big, big factor, which Paddy referred to there, I mean, it was like five minutes in the second half whenever Tyrone lost on the so they played the whole of that second half with the man down and teams are getting better utilising that extra man Donny Ball used the extra man a bit better for the kickbacks and got the possessions on it and I think they didn't score Tyrone didn't score for like 20 minute period or something like that after they lost the man so I mean, obviously both teams will want to keep everybody on the field for this one um, interesting to see but looking forward to it and Aidan Falker Polly like we talk about him nearly every show because he, he's always he always does something he'll um he'll get a mansion whether he's up kicking points or he um he's man marking but this week if he's fit to play hopefully his injury isn't too bad um it was after he was took off last sunday hopefully he'll be fit to play he's probably the man going to pick up Connor mckenna isn't he he's probably going to go full back and pick up um Connor mckenna who Probably didn't light the world of fire on um, on Saturday evening against Donegal and will want to improve his own performance. So we're going to see Aiden playing full back, I would imagine, in on Conor McKenna and hopefully still come up and kick a couple of points if he if he can. Yeah, you'd expect so. You know, look, I think that's you know that's what's most likely now when you when you go into an Armagh uh, you go to an Armagh game, watch them on the television, is that that Aiden will be picking up whoever's seen as the. Um, uh, as the big danger man uh, for, for, for the opposition, so look, that that's what we'd expect. But I just wonder, um, Jim, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting now what you were saying about um, about Aiden, you know, and the fact that he's so selfless, you know, he's so selfless, um, and he's you know he, he, he's so team focused. Um, and you know, is that something you say you were involved there for about you know, uh, three years or so? Like, is that something you would have noticed developing in him over the course of that uh, time? Because I know, like when he, you know, a few years back there was, uh, I don't think it's any, you know, there was a an issue with this. You know, he, he was picking up a lot of, um, you know, a lot of cards over the course of games. But is that something sort of over that over that period of time that you you've seen him? Uh, you know, gel into that sort of player because at the minute, you know, there's never a discipline issue. He's a brilliant tackler, um, brilliant worker, and as you say, you know, he, his attitude's clearly just abs- you know, abs- absolutely perfect, and it's a, it's a credit to him. Yeah, 
Yeah, he would be. Whenever I first came in, um, he was. He, he would always be one of the leaders of the group. You know, a lot of people say he would be the automatic captain to, to lead the Saramas side. And Rory was a great captain when I was there as well. Supi took over that, was a great captain. You know, and Forker is a captain anyway. And a lot of people say he's the way he leads on the field. And it's not so much even nowadays about having the captains, but having leaders in the right areas that can drive the team forward. Ocean O'Neill is a young leader coming through as well, driving the, the, the team forward on. But if you take all those guys that I mentioned, the Grugans, uh, you know, the Forkers, the Campbells, the Ocean O'Neills, the Nile Grimleys, all those guys, really over this last three years, what I've seen with them, that their training regime is a self-imposed professionalism. It's not something that people think Kieran McGinney has a big stick here and is beating these guys and they're making sure they eat the right diet and they have the right hydration and that they go to the gym seven nights a week and that they train in the morning. And there's none of that. In fact, I, I was quite surprised, you know, whenever we went in, whenever we went at the start, you know, that the players were the ones who were driving a lot of themselves. Um, and not because Kieran wasn't doing it, he didn't need to do it because that's the way they were. And Farker would be, as I say, like he'd be a constant professional and all he does, he, you know, He's really, and you've heard him speaking as well, even on your show, Sean, about you know, leadership is something that interests him, and you see that on the field and what he does. And very rarely you'll see him uh, bad mouthing the player. You'll see the encouragement and you'll see the instructional calling going on in the game. But I mean, he, uh, his whole attitude, his attitude to training, and as a person, you know, and this is a big, big factor in a lot of the county players, you know, it's not just so much what they're like on the football field, what they're like off the field and what they do for the community and what they do within the team as well. Um, and he'd be a leader on that one. So it's the modern day player. It's it's the way it is with a lot of the teams. You've heard a lot of talk about the dubs and how much the dubs do outside of football and what they're like just outside of the, the football field what, in terms of training and working for each other. And uh, Farquhar would be, be great at doing that. The big dilemma is always going to be, the big point of discussion, Sean, it's always going to be, where do you select them? You know, and you're saying, will he be on McKenna? You put him on McKenna, then do you lose that factor again up front that you had? We had an additional uh, attacking player from him because he was more focused when he was up there rather than man market from defence. As you said, the likes of Murphy, he took Murphy out of the game completely. Probably the only success we would have had from the man market everybody against Donegal. But he can do that with any player. And I've seen that in the three years I was there, no matter who he was asked the man market, he would do that and still contribute so much to the game. So, Interesting to see if he's not in the defence, who would pick up the likes of McKenna? Because you're right, Sean. I think McKenna he had a decent game, but the part his standards it was a pure game. He probably wanted to rectify that. He probably could have come away with maybe four or five more points, or he could have actually laid the ball off the players in better positions. He maybe got two or three more team points as well. So they're looking for improvements in that as well. On this this thrown forward line, Jim, that everybody's been sort of talking about, like. Um, now that Mickey Hart's sort of gone that they're going to play this big open um, kicking style and um, a big attacking game plan the thrown forward line it probably would you say it's it's the best they've had on paper certainly since the naughty since the likes of O'Neill Canavan and Mulligan uh, left that they've McKenna now they've done Matty Donnelly up there they've done, now Donaghy has come into it uh, McShane to come back is this the most dangerous thrown forward line since um, since that Naughties team? I would say probably um, it's not it's not far off. I mean, Donaghy looks like a great find, but that was one match, you know, and he scored 10 points, but he scored four from play. I mean, the one with his right foot there, he said, the boot at the end. 
looked superb. You know, it's the sort of thing that you seen one of the Kerry players doing. You would be in all the national papers about, you know, the great score that Clifford get. You know, um, and then the one he got in the first half of the left foot. You know, when he, he beat the man third and saved for over. But I mean, in order to be that big player, he's a young player. I think he was the top scorer in Tyrone last year. You know, so he's done it regularly for his club. Now the question would be, will he be able to do it regularly for? For the county, and you consider, you know, Donegal are tight defenders. You know, they do have the sweeper back in. Uh, they do cover the D fairly well, but he was still able to get four from play. Um, was good with the freeze as well. So that's a big, big find to them. McShane coming back in, and you have McShane and McKenna. They want to be the two inside forwards for them in the future. Where will because McShane was the main target man, obviously before he got his injury. Um, so how does he fit back into that setup? You know, you have Hart who's played in the forwards as well in defence. You have Donnelly who played in all sort of different positions on it. He was allowed to be quiet on Sunday as well, uh, whenever they, or last week and whenever they played their match. So what's going to be the best permutation? You're probably one of the best left foot footballers in McCurry who's come on and, you know, played in games, started in games, looked superb last year. Michael Lisky back in again. Say young Canavan looks like a great prospect, uh, you know, so... Uh, it's a strong forward line, you know, and as I said, you know, 12 wides, that'll be probably one of their main video analysis points on it, that a lot of them were very, they, a lot of those wides were scores that really they should have got, they weren't under a lot of pressure. Um, so they looked that, and even if they got half of those, it would have been a different score line, obviously, but they didn't, and we'll see what, what happens next week. But for, for this game, obviously McShane probably won't be back, but for the championship, He's going to be a big addition. That is a strong forward line. As do Armagh have as well. So they're going to have to think about their defensive structure and how they can try and nullify that attack because the threat of Subi driving through there, you know, created a wee bit of havoc within the Monaghan side. And I know there were talk as well that this Monaghan side had a lot of people missing, a lot of big players missing. Um, I mean, Armagh had players missing as well. You know, Aidan Nugent, for example, fantastic footballer, you know, to come back into that side as well. So there were players missing on both sides, but... It's going to be an interesting battle of the defences to see who can curtail those two really good attacking uh, setups on both sides. Yeah, I suppose we're, we're talking about the two attacking sides. Like there, there's a defensive side to it as well. That um, we're talking about the likes of Aidan Falker is going to probably man mark Ryan Candy's going to man mark James Morgan as well. On the other side, you have like um, Ronan McDamee. He'll probably pick up um, whoever is. Why it be Campbell or O'Neill in full forward and Hamp sees him on marker as well. But Paddy, I want to talk about the bend of the field um, and get your opinions on this. Is this an area RMA can target? Because just reading the Tyrone team from last week, um, the half back line of Michael Cassidy, Peter Hart, Michael O'Neill, midfield Frank Burns and Brian Candy, then half forward line Paul Donaghy, Molly Donnelly and Connor Myler. It doesn't strike you as a big, massive, tall middle eight um, that Tyrone have, bar Kennedy, probably. Um, Donnelly's maybe six foot. Um, the rest of them, probably not giants around that middle of the field. While Armagh have, well, if the two Neils can come out and play there, Grimley, Charlie Oaks there. Is there an advantage there for Armagh that the, the, the height over Tyrone in the middle of the field and in doing so can hopefully clean up there? Yeah, it's funny. It's sort of rolling back the years. That was one of the sort of tropes, you know, back in the at the start of the noughties was the throne were thrown were a much smaller team than um than Armagh were. It was probably something that was probably exaggerated a wee bit to be honest. But um, yeah, no, it, it is very noticeable. Um, when you look at that Armagh team, the lads that were playing, um, 
uh, the, the lads that were playing last Saturday. You have a lot of players that would have spent a lot of time in and around midfield. You know, obviously, the two lads that started midfield in, in Grimley and Rain. Uh, Kieran O'Hanlon would have played um, a bit of football around there. Charlie Oog, the same. Um, certainly, you know, well, Oshin, you know, Oshin O'Neill plays loads, you know, plays loads of football around the um, uh, around the middle as well. Um, and then of the you know the fa- the fellas that came on, uh, you know, Ross, you know, Ross McCullen, uh, natural around there, and you know, Jason Duffy's a, a, a tall man too. So, yeah, look, we have. You know, we have size there, probably even Rory Grugans, but maybe played midfield a bit uh, at club level. So I know you tend to get that because, um, you know, the, the strongest players that end up on county teams will, you know, inevitably at club level, you, you'll want to try to get them into the games, you'll play them around midfield. But yeah, look, de- de- definitely any potential advantage that you that you might have, Sean, you'll be... Um, You'll be you'll, you'll be looking to, to, to try, and ta- try and target and you'll tr- try and get some of those... Um, you know, quick ball from uh, from kickouts and um, uh, you know, and move on there and get the um, you know, get get the ball into our, our dangerous forwards before um, throwing have maybe got a chance to get uh, set up with numbers in defence. And Jim, if, if you were still involved, is that something maybe that you would be targeting that you have a, a height advantage out around the middle and maybe you can press up on the throne kickouts and make them kick long and sort of that helps play the game in Armagh's terms. Yeah, well, it's, it's probably the high advantage really is only going to be for restarts um, and the modern game. You know, you're, you're, in your introduction to that question, you weren't referring to midfield; you're referring to the middle eight, and it's all about you know a middle eight now. I mean, the game's changed. Your one to fifteen is for a program and for jerseys now, because um, players and, and again not going back over it, but look at Forker, you know, picked on three and look where he plays on it. But that middle and all, and for the kick-out end of it, which, and even if they're going big on it, a lot of the taller men can be nullified that wee bit in terms of how uh, you set up for a kick-out when they've been targeted to. I don't know how much height differential there is between two, but I'm, I'd be quite sure that uh, the new management in Tyrone will be looking to, to nullify any effects on that and try and make sure for their kick-outs, as they do with Morgan. Morgan's very good at directing the ball away from loaded size, big men, mismatches, and fighting men in space, you know. And a lot of the kicks now are more to men in space running in the space rather than the big ball on top. Although, having said that, with the mark, you can see uh, when that is the option for the big ball. Even the big ball over the top now, you see for the half forwards coming, running on, you know, is the ball running onto it rather than the ball to be caught. So, uh, I don't know that it'll be a big, big factor in the game. It'll be certainly something that they would need to take cognizance of because if it's not dealt with and a team with height advantage, they can move that ball quickly or get the uh, kick out marks and then move it quickly, uh, would be an advantage. And just to finish up then, lads, um, Jim, I just sort of want to get your opinion on Tyrone. Is there maybe a bit of pressure on them, as, as we've said? Like they've got rid of Mickey Hart, the new men have come in, Logan and Duhar have come in, and it's expected to be this free-flowing attacking football no team plays like that anymore like James there's as you say uh, the numbers are for programs and jerseys there's no such thing as you know six forwards staying up all the time so is there a bit of pressure on Tyrone this year do you, do you feel like that they have to deliver um, this great attacking forward line and supposedly this new uh, style of play as well 
think that this whole new style of play and uh, the attacking play and the whole change is going to, uh, the throne is going to come about is more from the outside world, you know, talking about them rather than what they'll probably be setting up for. I mean, you had a very, you have two excellent coaches um, in Matron now, you know, Logan and, and Duhar, they've played at the highest level, they've coached at the highest level, you know, so, and they've been successful at doing both. So they'll not be going out to have this uh, uh, all-out attack and leaving defensively exposed. They will try and play attack and brand of football, but to be honest with you, I think Mickey Hart had an awful lot of undue criticism that he was being very much defensive and wasn't playing attack and football. Not some of the football that they played even in, in, in Mickey's latter period was sublime football to watch on it. So, I mean, I wouldn't always take, uh, take into account a lot of things that say that maybe some of the pundits and again, I'm not a pundit, I'm a coach here coming on to your show on a one-off, so I suppose I could be excluded from that. Paddy would be a pundit, of course, you know, so, but I wouldn't always take into account what a lot of them are saying, you know, in the national papers and all about the style, but uh, pressure, there's always pressure on coaches, you know, no matter when it's your first year going in and you're in transition. I know Monaghan probably, uh, and Aaron referred to it, that uh, Monaghan are probably more in transition now, haven't been more established in previous years on it. And it was the first match, you know, so uh, I think people need to be careful just not to read a whole lot in the first matches because a lot of things can happen within one game. I have seen and heard so many times, even within games, you know, at halftime about that's the best football I've seen Armagh playing or I've seen Trump playing and they're going to go on and win the Ulster this year and they go out the second half and have a nightmare. Even in, a, even in that Donegal game last year that Paddy was referring to, you know, it was a 10 minute period where that game was lost. You know, just after that water break, it was five, three, five, two at the water break, and in a short period of time, that game just turned. But you know, everybody will have their view about where teams are at after that first game last week. On it, I'd prefer to see where everybody is after game three, because as I said, the permutations could be that you have three teams on four points if everybody beats each other, and uh, and Toronto have to win this one obviously to be in that position, so they'll be coming hard for that. But it's in the athletic grounds. Uh, just by luck, the year that I leave, they get a home game in the championship. They get all their games, no away games. That game last one uh, was in Fermanagh and the two home games. So the game that I'm not, the year I'm not there with no traveling, with home game, albeit without spectators, of course. Uh, but I think it's certainly nice to have Tyrone in the athletic grounds for that game as well. And look forward to seeing that. Yeah, it's definitely one to look forward to. And hopefully Armagh can, um, can put in a big performance and hopefully get the win. The Armagh Hurlers are also out this weekend. They're playing Slego in Slego on Saturday at two o'clock. And there's going to be a stream for that game. So keep an eye out on our social media pages. We'll be sharing that. And the uh, Armagh Ladies are also out there against Tyrone on Sunday at two o'clock. And there'll be a stream for it as well. And keep an eye out. We'll be sharing that stream to watch it live. So thanks very much for coming on, boys, and um, talking us through the rivalry, the game, the attack and play and hopefully we'll get normal win at the weekend.
only for point number 10. Unstoppable.